Welcome to the Q for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me as always is the mind-bending caped crusader himself, Matthew. Today, we're talking about the history and hidden secrets behind Batman, The Ride, and Mindbender at Six Flags Over Georgia. Matthew, are you ready to have a mind-bending time on this episode? I'm ready to flip some bad guys because I'm Spider-Man. I mean, Batman. Let's go. Wrong intellectual property. Wrong park. (laughs) No, but I am super excited to talk about these two rides today, Matthew, and You know, we've talked this season about how we've been grouping some rides together and some episodes where we've just had them focused on one ride. This one obviously feels like a natural two to group together, being the two marquee attractions of the now Gotham City section of the park, which I don't know about you, but personally, the Gotham City section is one of my favorites at Six Flags. It's definitely one of my favorites and from a theming perspective too, because we've talked about the the sections not making sense um, and there being a thousand of them. But for actual Gotham City, it's always made sense with the setup of Batman and Mindbender over there. And especially now that they've added all those other rides, that, that section's a lot of fun. Now, I will say the hill going down and up into the section under that bridge is not fun, but that's a whole separate thing. A section once you're there is fine. <laughs> hey, now going down is just fine. It's coming back up. That's the pain. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen so many strollers and kids get like a run over going down that hill. It is a lot steeper than it looks. Well, and we'll get into it in the episode a little bit as well. But with the theming of that section, this obviously wasn't always Gotham City from the opening of Six Flags. And so kind of woven throughout this episode, I also want to touch a little bit on some of the history of the section of the park in general and its evolution over time too. But with that being said, without further ado, what do you say we just jump right into this one? Let's do it. All right. Well, I am going to start us off in sequential order with our oldest coaster, Mindbender. Mindbender opened at Six Flags Over Georgia on March 31st, 1978. This was at the time, the last original roller coaster that the park would construct for decades, up until the arrival of Georgia Scorcher in 1999. Of course, by original, I mean original to this park, not a copy and paste from another Six Flags park, which we'll actually talk a little bit more about later in the episode. The coaster reaches a height of 80 feet with a track length of 3,200 feet, a top speed of 50 miles per hour, or potentially 54, depending on your source, and a ride time of 2 minutes and 33 seconds. Now, Matthew, this season in Six Flags Coasters, we've talked about how these parks always try to one-up records around the world for the coaster being the first to do this or the first to do that. When Mindbender was developed, it was advertised as the world's first triple loop roller coaster, meaning it was advertised as the first coaster to have three loops of three different quote-unquote 
inversions. Now, the reason I say quote unquote is, Matthew, we've both ridden this ride. Do you remember it having three different inversion loops? It's been a while since I've ridden it. Uh, I definitely remember two, but having three full loops, the only one that with three full loops that's coming to mind is the Tennessee Tornado from Dollywood that we always mention. So no, not three full loops. So you would be right on the money. There are two 53-foot-tall vertical loops that this ride has, and its third loop, they say, is a horizontal loop. Oh, my goodness. Or a helix diving loop, and that's the one where you go sideways kind of into the ravine by the little river or um, the little waterfall on the ride. So it's a triple loop coaster, but only a double inversion horizontal loop coaster, which is just kind of a funny technicality that they milked to its greatest extent when advertising this ride when it came out. So you're telling me they found a loop hole? I think we can end the episode right there. Thanks for tuning in to Q for Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, but you're you're 100% right. They found a loop hole and milked that for all it's got. Now, that being said, the ride was also really special in one other regard. It utilized a new, innovative, four-sided tube truss track system. So when you think about looking at the ride, instead of just having a simple, like, flat track, it's kind of like a box with little struts within the box that the car goes along the top side of the box. And essentially, what this innovative design allowed for the coaster was for it to have fewer structural supports in its design. And the design actually contributed to the evolution of steel coasters worldwide, according to American coaster enthusiasts looking back on coasters through the ages, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's really neat, especially being the last one in that first set of coasters you were talking about with such a huge time gap. So for that to be like the one they ended on for that section, it's like they struck gold with that one, it seems like. 100%. This was a cool coaster at the time and still is for many riders to this day. Now, there have been changes made from the original design that some riders aren't as happy about, but we'll get into that here in a minute. But for now, Matthew, it's time for your favorite part of the episode. How about we dive into this ride description for Mindbender? Let's go. How many loops does it take to make you scream? Are you ready to find out? Many fearless heroes have pondered this riddle before you. On this triple-looping, 50-mile-per-hour steel roller coaster, this classic looper has been shocking riders for more than four decades. Climb 80 feet in the sky and get ready to drop seven stories on your way to the first of the Riddler Mindbender's famous loops. Don't try to think your way through these. Just hang on. Next, you'll speed into a 45-degree sideways loop before swooping through the trees for the final vertical loop. You'll barely catch your breath before pulling into the docking station, where the only riddle on your mind will be, how soon can I ride this again? Clever, clever. That's a good one. The one thing that I caught, you know, it's obviously clearly the Riddler's Mindbender. I'm trying to remember, has it always been the Riddler's Mindbender? Or is it just, for some reason, part of my brain wants to say that it was originally just the Mindbender and that the Riddler part came after. 
So that is an astute observation, and you are absolutely correct. So the ride was originally just called Mindbender, and incorporated in its original sign, it was just the Mindbender with a big question mark. So it kind of felt Riddler-themed, but it didn't have that official name on it. The ride actually closed for a brief period of time in 2019 for refurbishment and reopened in the 2021 season, originally slated for 2020, but got delayed because of the COVID pandemic. And when it reopened in 2021, it reopened as the Riddler Mindbender. It wasn't just a rescan for the name. They actually did a whole new coat of paint on the ride, updated the queue line, refurbished sections of the track, and they even swapped out some new trains. The original ride had trains with seven cars. It now has trains with five cars, and the old trains were actually obtained from the ride Viper at Six Flags Astroworld, and now the cars are cars developed by Bollinger and Mabillard, B&M, as we've talked about in some other episodes here. So they made all those changes, rebranded as the Riddler Mindbender, and this was actually part of a bigger rebrand for the entire Gotham section of the park, with adding in a couple of other little kitty rides and kind of rebranding a lot of signs in that area of the park. Got it. Okay. Well, I did not realize it was only a few years ago at this point. For some reason, I don't know, my brain's playing tricks on me, but I'm glad I do remember. I'm not going crazy, at least in that regard. (laughs) When I went to the park last in 2022, the last time I had been was with you in 2017. And walking into Gotham, just looking around, I was like, what did they do to everything? Everything (laughs) feels wrong and different. And especially with the Batman queue, we're going to get into some things that changed about Batman the ride in this big refurb. But yeah, now the Riddler is on the sign and the old Mindbender sign is no more. But if you're interested in seeing the old Mindbender sign and some of the other original queue items for Batman the ride that we're going to talk about in this episode, head on over to our queue for two Instagram. I'm going to be posting a lot of pictures of the original Gotham City section of the park as it was in the year 2014. So if you're interested, be sure to check out those photos. Now, real briefly, I did want to talk about some other changes to this ride through the ages earlier on. Since its debut, the ride has actually had three different color schemes and been a part of three different sections of the Six Flags Park, which I hadn't realized it had gone through so many iterations. Now, it kept the name Mindbender through all of these changes, but its looks varied pretty greatly. When it originally opened at the park, it was painted silver and was a part of the USA section of the park, with the original theming, as we talked about in one of our earlier episodes, being the six flags that flew over Georgia. Now, in 1979, it actually became part of a new section of the park offshooting from the USA section called Jolly Rogers Island. And it was painted brown in the 1980s to fit with this new pirate section of the park. While the track changed colors, the trains remained their silver paint job and actually had a rainbow stripe down the side of the vehicles. And then the section of the park wasn't converted to Gotham City until 1997 with the arrival of Batman the Ride. They rethemed everything with the opening of that ride 
and painted the Mindbender green at that time to lightly theme it to the Riddler without officially changing the name, and painted all the trains black and covered them with green question marks to further the theming of kind of the light references to the Riddler. Yeah, that green color is all that obviously that we've ever known (laughs) from that ride. It's interesting to me, though, when we talk about these refurbs and everything, it's a pretty big change for them not to have changed the name. Obviously, the color change is like one thing to match, but it's surprising to me that they stuck with Mindbender throughout the whole thing. Like, it makes sense with the Riddler stuff, but, you know, it's just an interesting choice that they stuck with it. It's wild to me, too, especially for that retheme to the pirate area right. that they kept Mindbender because Mindbender just doesn't go with pirates. There have actually been other coasters named Mindbender that can have kind of an American Association theme, USA Association theme. One of the most notable being a big indoor coaster at Galaxyland that was actually built by the same German engineer, Anton Schwarzkopf but it had a completely different layout uh, and that ride is defunct and no more. But yeah, pirate theming for Mindbender, that just seems kind of like a strange choice. Yeah, it feels like they would go with like a storm, like a, I guess, you know, they already got Cyclone and everything, but it's like, you think you would go something more nautical for sure. That's the one that definitely sticks out. Like the scurvy hurricane or... The Kraken. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The Kraken, that'd be a sweet ride. I'd ride that ride. Well, Matthew, to tie us up for Mindbender, I do have a couple of fun facts to discuss. The first one not being quite as fun, there has actually been a history of an accident on the Mindbender. This occurred on June 3rd, 1984. Luckily, nobody was killed during this accident, but due to a mechanical problem that caused the train to stop very abruptly and quickly, it did result in four individuals being hospitalized for a period of time, but from what I was able to find out, nobody died in this accident. There weren't any long-lasting effects that I could find in my research, but still a very scary event to happen. But since 1984, I couldn't find any history of any other incidents involving the Mindbender or the Riddler Mindbender. That's good. And for those, you know, wondering who those are our listeners that listen to season one, that was definitely something we covered more when it comes to Disney, when it comes to the accident. So obviously Disney, the whole thing is that no one gets seriously hurt or dies on property. And so, you know, when we covered those rides, it was a lot more lighthearted on some of, you know, boats sinking on some of the rides and people getting their shoes wet, that sort of thing. You know, just as a heads up, you know, we've done the research. We're almost through with the Six Flags season. There's been some pretty uh, rough incidents and stuff. So if you're wondering, like, why haven't they covered this all season? Just go ahead and put that out there. That's sort of been our reasoning. We It sort of felt like it was a little too far on some of these episodes. So if you've been one of those fans that's been with us through season one, thank you, number one. Uh, but number two, just to give you all a little behind the scenes of where we're coming from with that. Hopefully that makes sense. A hundred percent. And we like to be as transparent and as detailed in our research for these rides as possible. We do like to focus on the more engaging, the more lighthearted content if we can. I will kind of tease, there's a reason I brought up the accident for Mindbender, and it's because we actually do have a really historically significant accident to talk about with our other ride today, 
which is why I kind of dipped the toes in with the mind bender. So not always the most fun discussions to talk about. It is important to know roller coasters are high thrill rides. It's important to know that what you're getting into, the risks generally in the cosmic sense are pretty low, but especially you want to make sure that you're following all the safety guidelines that they put on the ride. And as we're going to talk about with an accident later in the episode, it's when you don't follow those safety guidelines that you can really get in hot water and bad things can happen. So it is just important to keep in mind the power of these massive man-made structures. Yep, for sure. And I know which incident we're going to talk about in a little bit. And I will say going off of that again, not to get on too much of a tangent, but if you're a parent listening to this, follow the guidelines. If your kid is too small to ride the coaster, they're too small for a reason. Don't have them stand on tippy toes. Don't stuff their shoes with socks. Follow the rules for a reason. They exist for your safety. They don't exist to make the people who work there happy. They make it so that your kid is not going to get hurt from a height, from a weight, that sort of thing. So again, not to go on a tangent, but when we mention safety like that, that is one of my biggest pet peeves when I see these videos uh, and I've got to get that out there. They're not trying to make you miss out. They're trying to keep your safety in mind and both for your own safety and for the ease of the job of all of the park employees that you're interacting with. Please just follow those guidelines and um, take safety seriously. Now, with that being said, we have talked a lot this season about awards for our roller coasters. And I do have two notable things to talk about with the Mindbender. In its 30th anniversary season in 2008, it was ranked number 15 by Amusement Today magazine in the Golden Ticket Awards. And especially for it being so old, this was a big deal in that fact. And actually, only two roller coasters built before 1980 even made the list at all, with the other being Shockwave at Six Flags over Texas. So that was a pretty neat award to get for its 30th anniversary. And then also on its 30th anniversary, in 2008, Mindbender was recognized by American coaster enthusiasts as an ace roller coaster landmark for being a ride of historic significance. Just like we talked about earlier, they deemed that its design was influential in the history of roller coasters. There's a nice plaque at the ride, and it has that historic designation, which is pretty cool. I know we talked about the historic designation for the Great American Screen Machine last week. And so it's neat that this park has these two historic coasters. Yeah, didn't even realize that. That's really cool. And that's about going to do it for the Mindbender. Now, we've teased it several times. The other ride that we're going to be talking about today is Batman the Ride. And in order to talk about it, it's Six Flags Over Georgia. This is a copy and paste coaster, not original to Six Flags Over Georgia. So I do want to dip briefly into the history of the coaster at large. We mentioned the new cars for Mindbender were built by B&M, and our story begins with B&M for Batman the Ride. B&M actually opened their first roller coaster, the Iron Wolf, which was a stand-up coaster at Six Flags Great America in 1990. This kicked off B&M's relationship with the Six Flags theme parks, and they were so impressed with Iron Wolf that they were contracted to build another coaster for the theme park. Just to mention it on a side note, too, if you're thinking, wow, B&M sounds really familiar. We have talked about B&M a good amount this season. 
They are also responsible for Superman Ultimate Flight, the Georgia Scorcher, and Goliath at Six Flags over Georgia. So just in case any of our listeners were racking their brain, I'll save you from going back and combing through the all the other episodes this season. So drop that piece of knowledge here. Batman the Ride, the first iteration of this attraction, opened May 9th, 1992 at Six Flags Great America in Illinois. It was opened as the world's first inverted roller coaster, and it was developed by B&M. The ride cost $7 million to build, which at the time was the single biggest investment made by Six Flags Great America into one attraction. Now, Matthew, I said that this was the world's first inverted roller coaster, but there had been several suspended roller coasters built before this. Now, I didn't know this beforehand. Do you know the difference between a suspended roller coaster and an inverted roller coaster? Does it have to do with how the cars sit on the track in the sense that a suspended, you are straight up below the track and inverted, you are off more off to the side versus just directly below it? So that that's pretty close. You're right on the money that it's the difference in how the cars are hung from the track. So in a suspended roller coaster, the car hangs from the bottom of the rolling stock by a pivoting fulcrum, or hinge assembly. And essentially, this allows the car to swing side to side as the train races along the track. Now, with that description, you can probably imagine that does not leave any room to do an inversion on these types of coasters. So there are no suspended roller coasters with inversions. So that was the update for the inverted roller coaster. These are types of steel roller coasters in which the train runs under the track, with the seats directly attached to the wheel carriage, which allows for the incorporation of inversions. Got it. So definitely gives it a little bit more support. Exactly. And so giving this opportunity to have inversions on an inverted roller coaster, Batman the Ride did great when it opened up and it received a lot of critical acclaim. And a lot of parks were looking to copy that design at the time that it came out including Six Flags with copying and pasting their own design across several of their theme parks. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if it really ain't broke, build more. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to mention really quick, just a little side anecdote. This first version replaced the shuttle loop ride Tidal Wave, which was in operation at Six Flags Great America from 1978 to 1991. And the reason I bring that up is because the ride was brought to Six Flags over Georgia and was rethemed as Viper, where it ran from 1995 to 2001, which, if Viper sounds familiar to y'all, we've mentioned Viper earlier in the podcast season as well, when it closed in 2001 to make way for Superman Ultimate Flight, where it was eventually sent to Kentucky Kingdom to operate as Grease Lightning through 2009. And then the ride was no more. But just a fun little piece of history that ties us back into Six Flags over Georgia, I wanted to mention. As I mentioned, this ride had overwhelming success. And Time Warner, in partnership with Six Flags, had devised a plan to install clones of this ride all across their other theme parks through the 1990s. To give a brief history of the iterations of the other Batman attractions in chronological order, 
It opened at Six Flags Great Adventure on May 1st, 1993. The third iteration opened at Six Flags Magic Mountain on August 4th, 1993. The fourth opened at Six Flags St. Louis on April 22nd, 1995, which was significant because it was opened to coincide with the release of the movie Batman Forever. And this was also the first location to be a flipped clone and feature a different queue from the others. The others from this point were straight up copy and paste. And this one had those unique differences, which was kind of a fun update. The fifth version, our own version, Matthew, opened at Six Flags Over Georgia on May 3rd, 1997. This was the last version of Batman the Ride to coincide with the release of a Batman movie. This coincided with the release of Batman and Robin. We had other versions of the ride opening at Six Flags Over Texas on May 26th, 1999, which featured a unique loading station themed to the Wayne Foundation Industrial Park, as opposed to the Gotham Public Works at the other versions in other theme parks. And lastly, possibly the most interesting version of this attraction opened at Six Flags New Orleans in 2003. Now, this ride was unique in that it actually had a life before it became Batman the Ride as Gambit from 1995 to 2002 at the theme park Thrill Valley in Japan. Now, if you're not familiar about the tragic fate of Six Flags New Orleans, it was abandoned after Hurricane Katrina in 2005. And so after two years of being abandoned, they actually did relocate this coaster to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, where it opened as, oddly enough, Goliath on April 18th, 2008. So this was a very different version of Goliath than the version of Goliath we have at Six Flags Over Georgia. Got it. Now, there are a lot of other Batman roller coasters that have opened internationally that I'm not going to get into the weeds with all those. We're just covering the U.S. openings there. And that's going to tie up our series of <laughs> copy and paste clones of Batman the Ride across the United States, which there are so many more Batman the Rides than I thought there were. <laughs> that is a lot. And I want to say... Again, with the tangents this episode, you're full of a lot of them, a lot of good points. If you want to see some really cool stuff, look up videos and footage and pictures of Six Flags New Orleans as it, you know, as it's abandoned. To me, it's just so interesting and it's such a, it's creepy almost, you know, it's just got that just to see a theme park. It just feels like apocalyptic. Again, not to go on a tangent, but I have to mention it because, uh, Horrible tragedy with Hurricane Katrina, but some of the pictures coming out of that abandoned place are insane. There are some really stunning wild photos out there online, so I absolutely agree. If you haven't seen them before, it's definitely worth a Google search to try to look into those a little bit. Now, our ride, Batman the Ride, at Six Flags Over Georgia, reaches a top speed of 50 miles per hour, a height of up to 100 feet, a length of 2,700 feet, and a ride duration of 1 minute and 45 seconds. You've got the history. You've got the stats. Matthew, are you ready to read the official ride description for Batman the Ride? I'm ready. He's Matthew. I'm Matthew. 
Batman the Ride will show you what it feels like to be the ultimate caped crusader on this deeply intense 50 mile per hour juggernaut that is definitely not for the timid. Step through the tall carved gates of Bruce Wayne's favorite little town, Gotham City. You'll journey deep into the Batcave, tricked out with all the latest high-tech gear of Bruce Wayne Industries. But there's only one piece of equipment that matters right now, and that's the steel inverted beast you're about to board, blasting off into the sky over Gotham. As you load into your chair hanging from an overhead track, note that you're about to fight crime with your feet just dangling free in the air. Following a 10-story lift to the top of the world, brace yourself for a full 360-degree loop right off the bat. You're a global superhero. You don't need to warm up. After escaping that obstacle, now there's a zero-G roll, then a second loop waiting for you about 10 seconds later. Okay, you're starting to get the hang of this. Next, you'll be pounded by a double set of corkscrew descents with enough G-force to make you scream in slow motion. All in all, you'll face a mind-warping five inversions. Now watch the ground under your dangling feet whip around as the city below flips over and over through a tightly packed series of gravity-defying twists that will grind you into submission, just like the criminals of Gotham City. They went really hard with the language for this one. Goodness, that was intense. And I will say, you mentioned me talking about the wrong IP earlier with Marvel. I love how they slipped in Juggernaut. Like, we're not going to be able to know that that is an (laughs) X-Men villain. So, looking at you, we caught you, Six Flags. Get your stuff together. Squeak that in there without without the proper IP. What a a Six Flags (laughs) move. But no, that is an intense, very descriptive... Feels like almost a Disney ride description <laughs> compared to some of the ones we've had this season. It has a weird voice to it too. Like when it gets to the part and it's like, okay, you're starting to get the hang of this. I'm like, this ride <laughs> description is talking to me in a way that no other Six Flags ride description has. <laughs> I feel like they uh, got a random ghostwriter to do this one for the park. It just has a totally different tone from everything else. That's what we'll do. We'll get an AI to write the right descriptions for all of them, and we'll just sit here and read them for an entire 45-minute episode uh, one day, <laughs> just reading AI-created ride descriptions. Watch the AI just copy and paste from the website. We just read the same <laughs> ride description. Honestly, it probably would. <laughs> the AI knows. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> well, I did want to point out a couple things from that ride description as we go through some of the history of updates to this attraction. In the early 2010s, the ride did receive a new paint job from the black color scheme to a blue-on-black color scheme, which actually matched the ride at Six Flags Magic Mountain. So black to blue-on-black. For the 2020 season, the ride received an entire new ride entrance. This is what I was talking about earlier in the episode, the huge change. And I do want to reference the ride description when it tells you that you step through the tall, carved gates of Bruce Wayne's favorite little town, Gotham City. This is traditionally what you would do for the ride. Matthew, I don't know if you remember, but the original queue, there were those two big 
statues with the big Gotham City gate that you walked through and you actually entered Gotham City Park with a big fountain and a plaque from Bruce Wayne himself about donating the park to the city of Gotham. Do you have any memories of that queue for this attraction? Yeah, I definitely do because it's it's a nice little section. It's winding through like this nice little nature area compared to a lot of the other parks, parts of Gotham. You know, it's all concrete and everything. It's a theme park. But I definitely remember that, you know, fountain, the little like almost felt like a a natural park (laughs) just set in a theme park. A hundred percent. It was a really pretty opening to the queue. And the theming was great, too, because you got to walk through the nice part of Gotham and then kind of went into the grungy side of Gotham in the queue, which was kind of like the this is where you got to fight crime and clean up Gotham. So it's nice, like Gotham City Park, and it's safe to walk around in and all that. Well, when they did this massive overhaul for the Gotham section of the park, they had to make room for some new kitty rides. And so they actually reduced the line queue specifically to make way for the little kitty ride called Catwoman Whip. So this included the removal of original theming to the opening queue, including the fountain, the Gotham City Park sign, the Bruce Wayne plaque, and the Gotham City Public Works banner. It no longer has that iconic Gotham City arch entryway, and it's now replaced with a simple metal frame Batman sign with the DC branding, which honestly, I get that they wanted to make way for the new little ride. This is the saddest change for me for this section of the park. Like, I really liked this opening of the queue. I'm sad to see it go. When did you, and I apologize, when did you say that they made this change? This was very recent. This was in 2020. So when they did the big retheme for 2021, updating a lot of different things in the Gotham City section, this was one of the biggest changes that they did. Got it. Yeah, because I was when you were describing it, I don't think we went since then. So yeah, that's something I didn't even realize that they had done all that. That's crazy. And again, if you want to see some of the pictures of how this used to look, including that original Gotham City sign with the two statues on each side, go check out the photos on our Instagram page. The other big thing that they removed Matthew, do you remember that this section of the park actually used to have its own Batmobile? You're telling me it doesn't have the Batmobile anymore? What is the theming then if they took the the Batmobile away? So the Batmobile has been missing for a little while now. I think it was actually removed before this 2021 change. Don't quote me on that. It may have been there for longer, but it's definitely gone now. I was trying to figure out what happened to the Batmobile. Again, check our Instagram, got a picture of that Batmobile. Sweet prop for that section of the park. Apparently, it's still at Six Flags, but it's not on display anymore. That's so weird. There are a few reports that you can actually see it on Google Maps images in a parking lot behind Hurricane Harbor, just kind of sitting out there in the sun, rotting away. That is such a weird choice. I feel like they maybe made the choice because they needed room for other things. But like, there's room to put the Batmobile. Don't get me wrong. It took up a a lot of room. Like they put it right there in the middle. It sort of, it created this like natural, almost like roundabout when it comes to like walking to Batman to the food station right there. Carnival games, mind bender, that sort of thing. 
So I get like once you add more stuff there, you want to have more room for people to move around. But you're right. It's the Batmobile. You've got to find somewhere. That's such a the only thing I could think of was it got to the point where they couldn't keep up with it visually. And it was it's, you know, just better off sitting in uh, going to waste, like you said, compared to them being able to try and actually get it fixed. It's just sad because, like, if they're not planning to do anything with it, I'm kind of surprised Six Flags has it sent at the auction somewhere. Because I'm sure there's collectors out there that would buy that Batmobile. Right. So if you're wondering where the Batmobile went, it's apparently still there. You just can't see it directly, which is kind of sad. Wow. Well, we're talking about the changes to the Gotham section of the park. I did just want to mention there are other rides in the section of the park. They're pretty much all kiddie rides. There is a ride that opened in 2004 called Gotham City Crime Wave. That's like a children's swing ride. This was rethemed to DC Supervillains Swing in 2019. They opened a ride in 2015 called Harley Quinn Spin Sanity, which is a children's like tilt-a-whirl type ride. It's now Harley Quinn Wild Whirl, changed in 2019. And then in 2019, they did open Catwoman Whip and Poison Ivy Toxic Spin. All of these are rides that I've never ridden. Matthew, I assume that you've never ridden because there's no way that we would fit on the ride or any fun value that would add to us getting on the ride. No, I've definitely ridden the swings before. I definitely remember riding the swings. Oh, because you went to Six Flags as a kid. I totally forgot. Was that when you went with your family back in the day? I feel like it was definitely earlier on. I remember riding those swings, especially because, you know, you've got the Sky Screamer on the other side of the park. Before I was confident enough to ride those, you always want to ride the little swings. And the other ride I can think, but I can't remember what it's called, and it's probably not, it doesn't even exist anymore, was, I believe it was the Joker ride that was like a full circle and you were going around and around. I remember riding that one and I couldn't remember if we rode it together or if that was one that I rode and that y'all chickened out. So I intentionally left that out of this lineup (laughs) because that's the one exception ride, Matthew. You are correct. It's called the Joker Chaos Coaster. This opened in 2015. It is a seven-story loop ride. We rode it together. I also rode it the last time I was in the park in 2022. This one's worth riding. Oh, yeah. It is a fun little thrill ride. Don't eat a bunch of food before you get on it because you are going (laughs) to spend some time suspended upside down and get a little disoriented, but not going to go into history of this ride or anything else there, but just wanted to mention this is one worth keeping on your radar, and especially if it doesn't have a long line, jump in that queue when you're in the section of the park and check this out, because I remember we had a we had a good time on this one, Matthew. Yeah, it, it's a blast. It's one of those that at the time the line would be crazy long sometimes for like no reason. <laughs> But if the line is not too bad, definitely hop in the line on that one. It's a good fair ride, but it feels a lot safer than some of your fair rides that you would get at just your county fair. Matthew, to close us out, just a couple little more fun facts about Batman the ride. The ride actually did run backwards for a period of time in 2015 as a limited time experience. This is a ride that fans came to know as NamTab. Batman spelled backwards. <laughs> so did not get a chance to ride this ride backwards, but thought that was a fun little piece of history. Now, I did tease it earlier in the podcast. We're going to turn things serious here for a minute because there is a really important piece of accident history with 
this ride, specifically this ride at Six Flags over Georgia. Batman the Ride has a history of two different accidents spread across six years. The first accident on this coaster at Six Flags over Georgia was on May 26, 2002. There was a landscaper employee that was killed when struck by the leg of a 14-year-old girl while the ride was cycling. The landscaper employee did pass away from their injuries, and the girl was also hospitalized with a leg injury from the impact. This was a really tragic accident. This did get some media publicity at the time. But unfortunately, it's our second accident that was kind of the... Both of them are really tragic events, but this was the one that media coverage was a lot higher for, and we actually saw a lot of changes to the Six Flags Park, not just in Georgia, but across the nation from this particular accident. I am referring to the accident that occurred on June 28, 2008. There were a group of teenagers that had attempted to jump a fence allegedly to skip a wait time of the ride of longer than two hours. There are some other accounts saying that they were trying to retrieve their hat that had fallen off on the coaster, but the official police report had said that they had never gotten on the ride, that they were waiting in the queue to ride for the first time. But either way, whatever the motivations were, they jumped the fence. And when they were spotted by employees that tried to escort the teens out of the area, two of the teens came with them willingly, and a few of them scattered in panic throughout the ride into the danger zones around the roller coaster. After which, unfortunately, one 17 year old boy was struck by a passing train and decapitated. This was a situation where technically the park was not at any specific fault for their safety standards. They were found to meet the ASDM standards for their fencing and their signage, but Six Flags did at least post this accident the right move of taking this event very, very seriously, and they increased the signage and updated different parts of the queue, and then the state actually took it another level further and mandated that Six Flags install barbed wire to the top of the fence to prevent fence jumping as this had occurred. The ride did open the following week, again on July 2nd, 2008. But this was a really tragic accident, and it's one that I feel anybody familiar with theme park incidents has heard about this story, even if you don't know it occurred at Batman the Ride at Six Flags Over Georgia. And so we really can't iterate enough. Please take the safety warnings seriously. Don't do any dangerous stunts because there are legitimate dangers around attractions like this. And it's really important to follow those safety protocols. 100%. Yeah. I remember being in, I believe, you know, middle school, early middle school when this happened and being a kid, you hear this and it's almost like, it's almost like a rumor that you hear and you're like, I don't know if I believe like so-and-so, you know, he starts getting passed around on the playground, especially for us, you know, growing up not far within a a day's ride from Six Flags over Georgia. And I always had heard that it was a hat that he was going after. That was always the story that we had told. And so 
you know, growing up and you read about it and to see it's like, folks, again, those rules are there for a reason. If you lose stuff on the ride, don't just go grabbing it. Like not only the guy lost his life, but, you know, the poor girl that was on the coaster itself, like she had to live with that. She's got to live with that and the damage and everything like that. So it's just a hat, folks, you know, follow the rules. It's just a hat. A lot of times you can even go and tell the staff and sometimes they can retrieve it for you when the rides close or they can do something along those lines. But please follow the rules and don't just think that you know better because you don't. You want your theme parks and amusement parks to be a place of amusement and fun. And events like this, of course, are horrible and tragic and affect people's lives in ways that can't always be repaired. And so please just follow the safety guidelines. That's the biggest reason we tell this story. It's not to bring everybody down. It's not to bring the mood of the podcast down. It's important to know about, and it's important to know that there are real risks. And just remember, safety protocols are there for a reason. Lastly, to close us out with our award, in Amusement Today's Golden Ticket Awards, this was on the list of best steel roller coasters in the 1990s. The version that was ranked the highest was the one at Great Adventure that ranked as high as 19 on the list. But since all the Batmans are copy and paste of each other, it, I say the achievement of one is the achievement of Hall because they're the same. <laughs> sure. They're literally <laughs> the same ride. That is our coverage of Mindbender and Batman the Ride, two of my favorites at the Six Flags Over Georgia theme park. Matthew, were there any other experiences or stories that you wanted to share about these attractions? So for me... And again, I will mention, um, we mentioned this in the Great American Screen Machine episode. There was a lot of coaster thons. Mindbender was always one that came up for me. I know I was having trouble finding that when I was doing research for Screen Machine, but I know that was always one that we would see people riding Mindbender for 30 hours, you know, that sort of thing when they do that sort of thing. So Mindbender always came to mind from that perspective. I liked Mindbender a lot growing up. The problem is, is as I got larger, the cars never were comfortable for someone that had longer legs. That was always my gripe. My legs were constantly squished, but the ride itself was a lot of fun. So I haven't been back since the car has changed, like you said, in the more recent years. So that's actually exciting for me if I ever get a chance to go back to try it to see if there's a little bit more space on that ride because the coaster itself was always a lot of fun. It was really just the car that I had issues with. So, Matthew, I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit. Oh, don't. The biggest complaint about the change to the Riddler Mindbender is that the cars are less comfortable than they were before. <laughs> That's so depressing. Yeah, because that, again, the car was fine. It's just when you have long legs like I do, a lot of times they don't take that into account with the length of the, you know, how much room between the back of the seat and your where your knees go. So you got to do a lot of origami with your legs (laughs) to fit into some of these cars. So, but okay, I won't get my hopes up. As for Batman, I agree with you. It is 100% one of my, I don't know, I'd probably say probably my second favorite after Goliath at Six Flags. It is such a unique experience up there with Superman for me as well. When it comes to, you know, obviously it's a copy and paste from others, but for if you're used to sitting in a car, And to not have that, oh man, 
I remember us waiting in lines hours long. It feels like looking back. I don't know if the lines are as bad as they used to be, but man, it always was worth it for that, you know, a minute 45, two minutes of ride because, man, you just get up and go. And that is such a fun ride that I could do over and over again. We've talked this season about coasters to beeline it to if you're rope dropping the park. And we've talked about Superman Ultimate Flight and Goliath being kind of the two most focused on coasters for this. I think Batman is the third. Batman the Ride is the other one that's worth trying to book it to and rope drop if you really want to ride this one. Lines can get pretty long for it, and it's thrill-wise. It's not the same thrill as Superman or Goliath, but I think all of them are up there on their own rights as kind of, in my mind, the three big titans of the Six Flags Over Georgia theme park. For sure. And it's also got one thing that we've talked about being it's right on the edge of the park. So you get a lot of it's it's just the parking lot on the other side, but it still gives you that thrill of, you know, it's not just over nothing. You know, you can still see some pretty cool views as you're spinning around like crazy and everything like that. So that's always a, a really cool point that I've always enjoyed on Batman. And if you haven't gotten the chance to ride Batman the Ride, but want to have a semblance of the ride experience, head on over to the Q4T YouTube channel. We've got a video out for one of the Batman ride experiences. And after this episode comes out, we will be releasing a ride on Mindbender as well. So if you're interested, stay tuned for those videos on the Q4T YouTube channel. Well, those cues went faster than expected. We hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new about these wonderful rides. As always, we'd love to hear your experiences with the attractions or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation or shout at us on Twitter or Instagram at q for 2 That's Q-U-E-U-E underscore F-O-R underscore T-W-O. You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel. All the links can be found in the episode description below. Now... Go catch those rides, and we'll see you in the next Q for Two. For a mind-bending experience. <laughs>